Welcome to the official Guns Up Nation podcast, the premier voice for the fearless fans of Raiderland. Oh, 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 he's the worst Red Raider, unbelievable! The Scarlet and Black are back on the final bowl club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Let's meet today's host. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome into another installment of the Guns Up Nation podcast. I'm RC Maxwell alongside Tobias Bass down in H-Town. How you doing, Tobias? Doing well, man. Just taking the day, day, taking day by day. The weather report? I haven't, I haven't uh, been outside. It, lo- it looks, there's not a cloud in the sky, but it looks, it looks like it's a good day. I'm okay. going to my mom a okay. little bit, but yeah. That's good. Okay. We always got to get that, you know, bi-weekly uh, weather report from you um, here on the <laughs> podcast in Houston, just in case people listen to us for the weather for some reason, which we all know isn't the case, but you got to get it anyway. But on today's yeah. podcast... We're going to talk about, obviously, Texas Tech football, what down, what went down in the little apple. We're going to talk about Texas Tech soccer, what they need to do to improve, as well as Texas Tech volleyball actually getting an upset um, match win over the number 13 Iowa State Cyclones. But, Tobias, let's start with soccer real quick. That way we can – because we know we're going to spend a ton of time on football. That's just how it's going to be. So let's just start with soccer. Um, we talked about them a little bit. Um, last podcast and how we thought maybe they would come out and you know lay the pedal down to the metal and you know it it just hasn't been like that they go up to Norman and it's 2-2 they get a draw they have not won a game yet so far this year they're 0-1-2 and and it does not get any easier man with the number four team in the country the West Virginia Lady Mountaineers coming in so it's going to be really interesting to see what Coach Stone does, and it looks like this might be the roster he has because we haven't seen Jade King. Yeah. We haven't seen Allie Griffin. So it might be some of those stars that you thought were going to play this year. They might not just play this year at all for the Red Raiders. Maybe I'm going to assume maybe he knows something we don't. Maybe they're like, you know, I'm just going to come back next year. Maybe, maybe that's what that is. I'm, I'm assuming we'll probably see them maybe in like a game or two, maybe. But I feel like – is something that they're not playing for a reason, like, you know, because, like, yo, Jay's been out a year. Allie's been out over a year. You know what I mean? So maybe they told him, you know what, well, Coach, we'll just we're, – we're both going to come back next year. You know, we just want to get our bodies right, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally. We'll just be ready for next year because it's kind of weird. You know, we expected them to play, and we thought we would see a three-headed monster in the front line, but we just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and it's weird, too, because we haven't seen a lot of Penny Malanga. Um yeah. Either, you know, again, this year is so weird in any sport. Um, and I think Texas Tech is doing the right thing, especially when yeah. there's a global pandemic coming out. They're not disclosing the injuries unless it's just blatantly obvious. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you see somebody, God forbid, tear their ACL on the field and you can tell it's an ACL injury, they probably yeah. have to tell the public about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if it's one of those things where, oh, I don't know, maybe it's an ankle or a knee, they're going to keep it to themselves and they're just yeah. not going to report it and just say that the player is out for, you know, physical reasons or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, and I think that's probably the smart thing to do because, you know, you see it in the NFL, which is a completely different beast, but they do release the names of the team, people that got, you know, COVID and all that kind of stuff in yeah. college. I don't think that's necessary, you know, no. um, but, yeah, it, it is interesting because, like you said, that three-headed monster, especially here for soccer in that front line, I thought that was going to be the way that Texas Tech was going to yeah. win the Big 12. Right. Because I, don't, I didn't think anybody could guard them. You know, this isn't, you know, a 
shot at Macy Schultz or anything. I think Macy Schultz is really good. But when you have Macy Schultz on your team and she's arguably the fourth best um, forward on your team, like that's an issue for big 12 teams that you're playing against. Right. You know? Um, And so I don't know what it is. It just, I watched the game a little bit against OU um, I got to watch it online a little bit, and they just look a little sluggish in the midfield, man. Like, they're they're aggressive, but it's not all the time. And you know that um, we covered them for myself three years, you two years, that they're always aggressive. They're always making those slide tackles. They're always being body-to-body, super physical in the midfield. And that's where Texas Tech capitalizes to get those attacks. Um, you know, when they streak out, whether that's Kirsten Davis or Allie Griffin, Jade King, whoever it was, right? Uh, they're all that's how they you know get a lot of their possessions you know they're sloppy at times in the midfield with the ball but they make up for it with their physicality and it just didn't look that physical and maybe it was just you know that game Um, I got to watch a little bit of the you know first game of the year where they played Baylor and it was kind of the same but I really took everything they did against Baylor with a grain of salt because Mm -hmm. the first game of the year you didn't really get your you know training that you needed to um, before the season started so I took it with a grain of salt but it was just really weird to me not to see that physicality in the midfield that Texas Tech, in my opinion, is kind of known for. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't know. I, like I said, I think there's just like something behind closed doors. Maybe we'll find it at the end of the year. But, yeah, they're not, you know, we, like I said, they had high expectations. But, you know, like you said, this is a weird year. There's just some stuff going on. Maybe, you know, right now they're kind of pretty much treading water. They haven't won a game yet. But they're kind of just being, I guess, staggered, not really going up or down. But I know expectations were high. Hopefully they can turn it around. But like you said, they have a tough matchup in, what, four days? So we'll see what they can do against West Virginia. Yeah, I mean, it's a a top five matchup. I mean, thank goodness you're playing them at home. Um, Yeah. Crazy things happen at John Walker Soccer Complex. It's arguably um, one of the hardest places to play in America. Um, especially just because you don't know the conditions, what's going to happen yeah. on a Friday in October in Lubbock, you know? Yeah. Um, that's just kind of how it goes. I mean, I, I remember calling Game Spice. You were there. Where one Friday, literally this would be back-to-back weekends. One Friday, perfect weather. 70 degrees, five-mile-an-hour wind. You're out there in shorts and a T-shirt, and you're just living life, right? Feels really nice. You come back the next Friday, it's 40 degrees. You're yeah. wearing three windbreakers, seven pairs of socks, and you're still cold. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, been, it's been like that exactly. You know, it's super, super windy. The ball's flying. You know, you try to kick it, you know, down the field. The ball's going out of bounds. So, you know, back corner. It's just the conditions are level for a while. You know, we've lived there three to four or five years. So, it's it's wild up there. So, you kind of never know what you're going to get, especially in 2020. Who knows? We might have a, I don't know, a sandstorm, mudstorm, whatever we could have out there on level. Who knows? Yeah, those are always fun. You know, you always want to have, like, just a random sandstorm come out of nowhere. Yeah, you know? yeah, I know. So those are always fun. But, yeah, Texas Tech soccer, they're set to face off um, or match up, I guess, against the number four West Virginia Lady Mountaineers. Uh, and it is Lady Mountaineers, you know, um, because Tech, uh, West Virginia, excuse me, is the only team in the Big 12 that has a men's soccer program. Um, and they play in the ACC, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, could be wrong on that, though. Yeah, I think they do. See that or the Big Twelve, right? Or the not the Big Twelve, the Big Ten. Big, yeah, I can't remember which. I um, ACC. Yeah, I think it's the ACC too. Um, it's a little bit easier, but yeah. So it is um, tex- technically just the Red Raiders for Texas Tech, and then Lady Mountaineers yeah. for them since they play the same sport. But we'll move on. Let's talk about Texas Tech volleyball, man. This team, um, they're an interesting one. 
And I, I mean that in the most respectful kind of way possible, because again, this is another sport that we got to cover um, probably a lot more than virtually everybody outside of maybe Carlos at the AJ, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, you know, a daily Torador rider um, who changes probably every year. This team is really, really interesting in the fact that, you know, you lose your best player arguably in program history in Emily Hill, right? You're not sure exactly how you're going to, um, you know, fill her void. And obviously you're not going to do it with one person, right? We're, we're not. We're not crazy in that regard. Um, I don't think anybody would say that Emily Hill could be her spot could be filled by one respective individual, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at what Texas Tech has in on the outside hitters. That that's one thing that we look at a lot, um, especially with Coach Morgan Thomas. We know that she loves the blocks. We know that she loves the heavy outside hitters, right? Um, and they have a lot of them. If you look at what Texas Tech did to upset the number 13 Iowa State Cyclones on uh, Saturday, this is impressive, Tobias. I don't know if I've ever seen a line like this from the Red Raiders. And if you can think of one, by all means, um, tell me. They had four girls in double-digit kills, right? And we're not talking mm-hmm. just, you know, four girls that just scraped by and got, you know, 10, right? You know, Allison Blouse, the Washington State transfer, she got 11. Samantha Sanders, she got 12. She's the Texas A&M transfer. And then you had Caitlin Dugan, who kind of got overshadowed at times last year just because she was younger and didn't really have a role since Emily Hill was there on the outside. She had 17 kills. And then the preseason All-Big 12 member, Brooke Canis, had 17 as well with a hitting percentage of 200. Caitlin Dugan had a 300 hitting percentage. I mean, those are unheard of type numbers. And as a team, Texas Tech had 67 kills. I mean, that's unbelievable. And they were hitting 21% against Iowa State. Yeah, I think this team, they're kind of, they're hot and cold. You know, when they get hot, they can, you know, upset team. They did the same thing against uh, West Virginia in the first, you know, the first game of the year. But, yeah, I think they're very uh, hot and cold. I mean, which is, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of like Tech soccer. You know, Tech soccer is kind of, you know, trading water, kind of the opposite, I guess. You know, they're mm-hmm. tech soccer, trading water, trying to get above ground. And volleyball, they're hot or cold. When they play like this, you know, they can beat, you know, top 15 teams in the country. Yeah, it's a, any given day kind of deal. Like yeah. volleyball, you know, one day. And I think that's – it's actually might be in their best interest to be that way this year. Obviously, you just wish they were hot the whole time, right? But, mm-hmm. um, you know, this year it might not be a bad thing because, remember, you get to play every opponent twice on back-to-back yeah. days. So, right. like you're saying, let's say they come out cold on a, thir- on a Thursday night. They come back on Friday. They can make all these adjustments and win games. That's exactly what they did against Iowa State up in Ames, against the number 13 team in the country. And that's kind of what they did against West Virginia, but the opposite. They came out hot, swept West Virginia in the first matchup of the year, and then West Virginia made the adjustments, and they won 3-1. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. You're looking at the schedule. Obviously, there's really good teams in the Big 12. Uh, Baylor and Texas are always powerhouses, um, right. it seems like. But you play TCU and Fort Worth this coming up weekend, right, at, on Thursday. So you get kind of a shortened week. They got to go there. They probably split with TCU. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year when Baylor came in that they'd be 3-3, three and three, I'd take it. Yeah. No, for sure, especially as you playing Iowa State, because, you know, not to count the girls out, but, you know, people would have probably thought they would have lost both games, you know, 100%. even you know, despite even making the adjustment. But you get a split, you know, that's pretty good. But like you said, they're three and three. 
I'll take that every day of the week. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's if they, you know, obviously split with uh, TCU yeah. and Fort Worth. But, I mean, right. you have a top 15 win under your belt. Yeah. That, that, that's good, regardless, especially where this program is trying to go. You know, you do have those upsets that you mentioned earlier, but the volleyball team, they're still trying to – they're coming from the lowest of the low of any program on campus. Yeah. You know, yeah. them and softball were pretty close, but I would probably give the edge to volleyball in terms of, holy crap, like they were the lowest of the low um, in terms of in their conference and their respective sport. But Tony Greystone, I mean, he's slowly getting them up there. I don't expect Texas Tech to finish in the top, what, four? Yeah. But if they finish fifth or sixth, I mean, I think that's probably what you need to expect. Probably fifth would be a great finish. And then if, with the way that the formatting is this year with the back-to-backs, Texas Tech could easily, you know, somehow figure out a way to go to fourth. And, you know, I, yeah. I, I think that would surprise people, but they're, they're so deep on the outside. You know, you got um, liberos in the back that are really good and Northcutt as well as Emerson Solano. The Dodson twins are also back there. But then you got Blouse, you got Sanders, you got Brooke. I haven't even mentioned Allison White yet at all or Alex Kirby. Um, so, I mean, you have a lot of talent there. It's just kind of – this is, you know, it takes a lot of time to build a program from where this was. Mm-hmm. And Coach Tony Greystone and Morgan Thomas, who I'm kind of shocked is still at Texas Tech. I don't know about you. And I'm not saying in the yeah. sense of she getting fired. I'm saying in the sense of her not she's getting good. her own program. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, I think that also, you know, some of the girls in the team, you know, they're junior by classification, but they might not have played a lot over the last year or so. So this is, you know, they're playing a lot. And it's good to see them, you know, they're able to step in without limited playing time. They're playing well. And you're beating teams like Iowa State. You know, there's a lot of juniors on this team. But some of them, like I said, they just haven't played them. But some of them have, like Candace, you know, they played a lot. But some of them they have, but they're able to come in immediately and they haven't, you know, really missed the beat. They're really playing well. Yeah, no. And, and again, they're so deep, you know. It's, it's really one yeah. of those things. And he, he always seems to get a couple of transfers, you know. Yeah. Um, at least one or two. Um, this year it was the A&M transfer, and then obviously you got the transfer from Washington State as well, who, by the way, is just a freshman – or a sophomore, yeah. I should say. So yeah. she's here for another three years, potentially four, if they give eligibility, yeah. which they will, to the you know fall um, sports. Yeah. So she could be here for another four years. Um, yeah. And that's a thing that I don't think a lot of people are talking about with you know soccer and volleyball. They get to come back since yeah. it's fall sports, right? So this year is just kind of, you know, um, bona fide scrimmages, in my yeah, opinion. Like yeah, like a trial run almost. Exactly. Yeah, so and, and I think that's perfect for girls like Blouse and Sanders who come in here. They didn't get their necessary off-season programs that, you know, would acclimate them to the program right away or at least accelerate the process. So now they get a whole year to do it, and I think that's probably going to help Texas Tech in the long run because you still get your recruiting class next year too. Um, yeah. And the recruiting class next year for Texas Tech volleyball is one of the best in program history. So, mm. you know, Coach um, – Oh, my God. I was about to call him Northcutt. I, I had a, their, their lineup here in front of me. I was about to call him Coach Northcutt. Coach Greystone, excuse me, um, is doing a really good job. It's just going to take some time um, to get that program where it wants to be. But we've seen flashes of it. It's just got to be consistency, um, and that's part of building a program. Um, and we'll talk about building a program here in the later stages, Tobias. But let's uh, shout out our friends at Two Docs real quick before we get into the football uh, stuff and talk about the depth chart and Oh, my goodness, what went wrong in the Little Apple this weekend? You can go watch Texas Tech football this weekend at Two Docks. They'll be screening the Iowa State game up there at 11 a.m. Go get some great beer, live music, get some food trucks up there, too. Bring your pets. They're socially distancing everybody out there. It's a great, friendly staff and a great environment. 
Two Docs is located at 502 Texas Avenue in downtown Lubbock. And right now they are offering free shipping on orders of $49 or more when you use the promo code GUNSUP. Again, when you use the promo code GUNSUP, all capital, no spaces, get free shipping on orders of $49 or more. And I was talking to JC, the guy that runs that. Apparently people have been using this code to buy us. So yeah, they've been listening. Good. So I'd be using it too if I was them, but I'd be going to two docs in person. So no need to ship it unless they, I can get free shipping to my table. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, for but, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. So again, the promo code is guns up. You can go to their website, two docs brewing.com. Again, the website is two docs brewing.com. Use the promo code guns up all one word, all capitalized and get free shipping on $49 or more and go see our friends down at two docs and support local business and be sure to tell them guns up nation sent you Tobias. Let's move on to the, Oh man. Oh Jesus. This is, I don't know if we really want to talk about this, but I think we have to, um, Texas tech went up to Manhattan, Kansas and, uh, I think they, they, they played it close, and then Kansas State just hit him in the mouth at the very end, um, and they ended up winning 31-21. to 21. Vaughn had a really long reception at the end of that game, 70 yards to basically seal it um, there late in the fourth quarter. Allen Bowman got hurt. We'll talk about him in a little bit um, and his injury status since Coach Wells just had his presser here on Monday and revealed what exactly went wrong with him in terms of, you know, the injury timeline. Um, but, Tobias, we got to talk about Henry Columbi. You and I, we had talked about him previously on the podcast when he came in, the Utah, the Utah yeah. State transfer, excuse me. We didn't know much about him. Um, a lot of Utah State fans were upset um, because he did transfer. But yeah. he is a Matt Wells, Yost guy. He was recruited by those guys to go out there and play at Utah State. What was your initial, you know, impression of him in terms of what you saw? And um, I'll, I'll put a caveat in there. Let's not qualify the first half because that was a, just an awful position for him to be in. Um, and it should have been 14 to 6. But what did you think of Henry Columbia? And I guess you can go ahead and say overall, uh, what did you think of him? Um, he played well, in my opinion. He had good poise. And I was looking him up, you know, before the uh, when he first got in. Um, he hasn't played, you know, that much, you know, Division One football. He hasn't played that much. I think he only played maybe like between, I think, what, five to eight games max. I don't even know if it was that many. He hasn't played that much. But he's – um he looked poor. He was making some good throws. You know, he was – and he brought a little different type of juice to the team. He, you know, he would run, scramble, get out the pocket and things like that. I think all in all, um, he played well. Because I, I didn't really – I didn't, you know you, – I think you tweeted about it. I didn't think that he would have been the backup coming in at first. But he – um. For him coming in, he played well. No, I didn't. I, I thought it was going to be Maverick. I'm going to be yeah, honest. Exactly. I thought it would be yeah, Maverick. Um, and, it, mm. and it wasn't. And a lot of Tech fans were upset with that, um, especially in the first half. Um, and I, 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 I guess I get it to a degree, but at the same time, um, the coaching staff sees these guys day in and day out. Um, so I would hope that they would know better um, than us, you know, just hopefully. You know what I mean? Um, right. But – I thought I kind of agree with you. I talked about it with Casey, uh, Casey Cowan. You can listen to him actually um, on Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. in Lubbock on 100.7 The Score. Um, I talked to Casey about it, and I said, you know, he looked good. I thought in the first half, you know, he was thrown into a difficult situation. Um, you know, I, I, he looked prepared to play, but the problem is you can't make adjustments if you're a team from the game plan that you have on the fly like that. You know what I mean? It's super difficult right. to do that. Halftime couldn't have come at a better time for the Red Raiders. And 
again, I don't think the Red Raiders necessarily um, played as bad as the score indicated. Two missed field goals are a big deal in that game. That's 14 mm. 6 at halftime. You know, 14 0 looks a lot different than 14 6. Um, mm. But you go on, you come out, and you hit them right in the mouth. And you come out, and you actually take the lead at one point, 21 to 7, or 21 17, excuse me. And that was due in part to Henry Columbia bringing that juice that you were talking about, that different aspect that Alan Bowman doesn't bring, which is he can run the football a little bit better. Yeah. Um, you know, the RPOs were working to perfection with Xavier White. And Tobias, you know how yeah, I feel about yeah. RPOs. It's my favorite three letters you can put together in football. Um, I, it was just ridiculous how, how effective it was. Xavier White was just the perfect compliment to Columbia yeah, out there. Yeah, he um, was. You know, and I, and I brought it up on the post-game show, too. You can watch the post-game show here on the Facebook page, um, Guns Up Nation Facebook page, I should say. Um, I was mentioning it. If, if I'm them, I know that they want to have the tight end out there. You know, that's a staple of Yost's offense, um, which finally Coons got more than two catches in this game. It was only three, yeah. but he looked a little better. Um, you know, if you're going to have Columbia in there, and I don't know if you will, um, we'll talk about that a little bit later in terms of how the depth chart is shaking out. Um, but if Columbia's out there, I would love to see these guys around him. I would love to see Vasher, Keyshawn, um, obviously uh, Eric Uzakama, and then I would love to see Miles Price. Miles Price had some juice, man. Yeah, I, did, yeah, did. I love Miles Price in this offense. Put Miles Price opposite of Keyshawn Carter in the other slot, and then you have Xavier White back there in the backfield or Sir Roger Thompson. Prefer Xavier White if we're running RPOs because it just keeps a little bit more honest. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I thought Columbia looked really good. Now, I did ask on Twitter, Tobias, um, does Texas Tech now have a QB controversy? Um, 1,500 people voted. What would you say, first of all? Does Texas Tech have a QB controversy, yes or no? I would probably say yes. You would say yes? Yeah. You were votes? with the majority. Uh, yeah. 65% said yes. Um, I'm going to say this. I think um, – there's two ways or maybe three ways to actually really look at this. Um, I don't think anybody would say that Columbia is more talented than Bowman, right? Right. Bowman's more talented. I yeah, think, he is. I, I think that's yeah, easy to say. But I think Columbia might be better suited for the current Yost offense. Yeah. So if you're Texas Tech, and we'll talk about the depth chart here in a second, you're the coach, Tobias. Both are healthy. You're running the current offense. Nothing changes. Who do you want to start for Texas Tech against Iowa State names? Well, one, before I answer that, though, you can look at it like this. How many true snaps has Bowman even had in the offense? Because last year he was hurt pretty much all year. He was still recovering. Then he comes in, he plays a couple of games this year. But how many, you know, actual time, how much time has he even had in his offense? You know, Columbia, at least when he was at Utah State, he's seen this for at least three years, not going on his fourth year. He's been around it for sure. But, um, if I mean, it's hard for me to just put Alan Bowman down. But one thing about it, this might not even be his own fault, but he just gets hurt so much. And, it's, and it's, at, at some point, it's just like, damn. Like, you know, can he stay on the field at all? But yeah, this one really wasn't his fault, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. But it's just like, it's just unfortunate. Like, it, it just sure. keeps keep happening. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's not done for the year. He's still playing, obviously. But it's just like, how, like how many games is he can be playing a role before he's going to get hurt? But to answer your question, um, I would probably throw Bowman out there again. But, like, so we play Iowa State in the, in this weekend. 
They have a pretty good defense. And I think that if the game's close and Bowman struggles, I think you take him out. I, I, I think you, I, I would. I, I think I'm right there with you. What I would do is I would start Bowman, um, but it's on a thin leash, right? Um, kind of like you talked about, or a short leash, I guess, is the proper term. Um, so with Alan Bowman being the starter, if he comes in and, you know, get, say you give him three drives or something like that, and the first right. three drives you just get a field goal out of it, but you're down 14 to three, but you're struggling to move the ball a little bit, I'd probably bring in. Yeah, Henry. I would. I'd probably yeah, bring him in because he brings in that RPO style where, dear God, he is not the fastest guy in the world. Like, let's say that first of all. He is not fast. But he brings that element that Texas yeah. Tech doesn't have with Bowman. And for me, maybe I'm reading into it a little bit more, but it seemed like the player they seen almost more – they had more juice that they felt, like, confident about. Because you see, like, guys were just doing, like, Xavier Roberts, you know, busting plays, you know, prices getting open. Things just look to flow a little bit better. And maybe that could be because, you know – they didn't prepare for him to come into the game. That's exactly. also, a, also a major factor as well. But while he was in the game, you know, that they looked, they looked calm. They played well. Like they looked like a like a different football team offensively, and they were moving the ball. No, I mean, yeah, he went thirty for forty two, two hundred and forty four yards, a touchdown. Yeah. He did have that pick to T.J. Vasher. Um, it wasn't a great throw, but he did get hit on the arm. I don't know if it gets yeah. there, regardless, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I take my chances with a six-six guy over a guy that's six foot any day of the week. Yeah. Um, it just was a little short-armed, and maybe that was because his arm got hit. Not trying to make excuses or anything for the guy, but yeah. that's just the actuality of it. He mm-hmm. got hit. Um, so, Tobias, we're we're talking about the QB position here, and um, Matt Wells just had his press conference here on Monday. Texas Tech just released their depth chart to the media, um, and Alan Bowman is still listed as QB one. Um, Coach Wells did say that Texas Tech um, is taking it day-to-day with Alan Bowman. It's not a season-long injury. It's just basically, you know, he's sore, and they're just going to play it by ear and everything like that. So when I look at this depth chart right now for week four going into Iowa State, personally what I hear when Coach Wells says that, Tobias, I don't know about you, but I look at the schedule. Texas Tech has a bye after Iowa State, right? So what I look at is – okay, Alan Bowman's not playing this week. They're going to give him two weeks, three weeks to get healthy. This yeah. is going to be Henry Columbia's game. Um, but we're going to put Alan Bowman as number one on the depth chart because, um, well, we're going to try and make Iowa State have to prep for him and Columbia. Yeah, right. So that's kind of how I take it. I mean, that, yeah, that can make sense. I just think that, I mean, if he's healthy, I mean, if he's able to go, I think you throw him out there. But like sure. I said before, but like, I mean, like you said before, if they're struggling – a little bit before halftime, and like you say, it's 14-3. I think you would probably throw Columbia out there. And then I think that if Columbia can, you know, somewhat win the game or even make it close, I think the week after the bye week, I think you should probably go with Columbia for some time. Yeah. I mean, I think this is going to be really interesting because that bye week falls at a pretty critical time for Texas Tech, right? You know, yeah. I, I think um, the line came out yesterday. It was, what, minus 13 to Iowa State, um, which is – that's a big number. That's yeah, a really is. big number. Um, but hey, they were more at home against Texas. So it is what it is at this point. But when, when I think about where this bye week is placed, I wonder if they do what we're exactly what we're talking about, right? Where, okay, we're going to throw Bowman out there. If he doesn't look great. Okay. Columbia comes in after halftime. And then during the bye week, Columbia, you're the guy and you're going to get the start once we come back from the bye. 
we're going to give you two weeks to do that. Or I wonder if, you know, they just give Bowman the whole game to prove himself regardless, you know, let the sink ship as fast as possible or whatnot, whatever, however you want to talk about it. And then, okay, well, we have the bye. Columbia's getting all the first team reps from here on out. Or are they going to split it? Or I hope they don't do this because you see some teams do this where they do two quarterbacks. Yeah. I would hate to see that. Um, but I really think that, you know, and it's, and it's crazy to say because I do think Bowman is the more talented guy. And, I, I mean, you agree with me on that. Um, it would not shock me at all if Henry Columbia is the starter from here on out after the bye week. Yeah, I mean, it definitely wouldn't, um, wouldn't surprise me. It's just with Bowman, like if that game is winnable against Iowa State, like you said, you're down six. I would probably throw Columbia because the game's winnable. If you can win that game, you know, put put the guy out that you think that can, you know, lead you to victory. So if Columbia's that guy, throw him out there. I mean, they're not knocking at Bowman, but, you know, between the injuries and, you know, just bad decision-making, you know, it's kind of hard for us to trust him going forward. But if Columbia can run your offense the way you want to be ran, I think that's the guy you go with. But isn't that a bad look, you think? So the situation that you laid out, let's just pretend that's the exact situation, right, um, for this argument. So you said it's 14-6 or it's a close yeah. game um, at halftime. You would have to keep Bowman in there just for – that would look bad. You know, that quarterback kept the game close for you. You're obviously 13-point dogs. You're, you're not supposed yeah. to win at Iowa State. Let's just be real. You're not. Um, you're a talented team, but Iowa State is a better team. Just simple and plain. You yeah. catch him on a bad day, but wouldn't that look bad to the rest of the roster if you take Bowman out in a game you're competing in? For me, I think it, I think it kind of depends on how he's playing as an individual because, you know, the defense, if they're keeping us in the game, it's not so much, you know, Bowman, let's say he's 75 yards in the interception, but the defense is only only able to give up, you know, Bowman goes down the field, he gets a six points, but he throws the interception. The next drive looks kind of bad and whatever. I would consider it. Maybe you're right. It could look bad to the rest of the team, but I would definitely consider it if the game is winnable. Like if it's 14-6 at halftime and Bowman's not running offense that well, I would probably consider it. Even if you give him another drive after halftime, if it, what that drive looks like, then I think you can make a decision from there. But it could, it could look bad. But, I mean, they were just in a weird situation, unfortunately. I mean, last week's game was winnable and, you know, well, of course, Bowman got hurt, but I mean, Columbia, he looked good while he was in there. But also at the same time, it is different when they're preparing for you for a whole game as opposed to you just being thrown in there spontaneously. Yeah, this is – it's super interesting too because, um, you know, the more I think about it, and this is a little bit, you know, way down the road, football teams aren't even thinking about this. Um, but, you know, people that cover the team and everything like that, we, we try and stay one step ahead of everything. Um, realistically – there's three quarterbacks on the roster right now that could play, right? Bowman, yeah. Maverick, and Henry, right? Yeah. How many, how many of those guys do you think are back next year? One, two, yeah, max. I was, was going to say one. Yeah, I was going to say one. Yeah, one would probably be my favorite answer. I don't, I don't see a way next year where Byron Morton isn't the starting quarterback. No, I don't. As a nope. true freshman. Nope. I don't see a way where he's, where he's not. He has to be the starter. So if that's the case, let's just play the hypothetical game. And I'll, we'll talk a little bit more about depth chart things here in a minute. But if that's the case, right, Bowman's transferring and so yeah, is like, Maverick, yeah. right? Yeah, no, Bowman for sure. I, no, I think he definitely would transfer immediately. I think that would be the first first uh, piece to fall. And, and Maverick's got to transfer. He's 20 years old. He hasn't played a snap yet. 
I guess he could be yeah. 19. He's a redshirt freshman, so he's going to turn 20 here soon. But well, I mean, yeah, if you're getting your spot taken by a freshman, you might as well just leave, buddy, because exactly. you know you're, you're not you're not going to play. Exactly, and then her, Henry would stay to be the backup, and I mean, he yeah. would be serviceable and be a good mentor to Morton. But it's just yeah. weird to me when you think about that because you know what was it? It was three years ago. Um, Alan Bowman was in a quarterback competition with McLean Carter. Yeah. And everybody was thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, McLean's got the runaway job. And then McLean gets hurt in week one, if you remember, down yeah. in Houston. Uh, and then Bowman comes in and he, he flashes, man. And we thought, oh, my God, we got one. But it, it's just crazy how quick things turn because yeah. you look at Morton. Morton has been recruited by Wells and Yost. He wants to come play here. He's a Red Raider through and through. He's the highest rated quarterback ever to commit to Texas Tech. Like, the kid's a stud. Um, and then I forget, did we talk about what Morton did um, in his high school game on Friday, Tobias? No, we didn't. Did you see those stats? Uh, I haven't seen them. What did he do? Okay, well, let me, let me pull up these stats. But talk about, like, that situation uh, for me while I look up these stats. Like, you have these three quarterbacks. I think they're all capable, but I wonder if that has an impact on their psyche and how they're thinking about this. Like, they try not to look forward or anything, but they realize Bowman might just be playing for his job right now long term, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, I mean, like, when you have, like you said, the highest-rated quarterback, you know, coming here, I think you would have to be. Because, like I said, your spots, even if your spots in jeopardy with a talented freshman like that, I think you would – leaving would be, you know, it makes sense, especially if you're um, the backup to as well. Maverick, like you said, he's 20 years old. He hasn't played a snap yet. I think he has to leave because you just don't have enough time, especially with you being able to keep a year of eligibility. I think, well, I mean, like, why not? You know what I mean? It's like, why would – why would you not try to leave, especially Bowman? You know, we saw him as a freshman. I think me and you both said it. We thought him and Brock Purdy would run the Big 12 in like two years. That's what we, I, think, I think I said that. I don't know I if said you said it as well. Yeah, we thought, you know, that's the way they were trending at the time, or at least without for Bowman. We thought that they would be the two future stars of the Big 12 between injuries and, you know, just not being able to uh, make the right throws. I think you would have to transfer. Maybe a Pac-12 school for Bowman kind of maybe would make sense. Washington State. Yeah, I said that that would probably – yeah, that's a good pick. I think that would probably make sense for him. And then, you know, Maverick, I would kind of watch some more of his film and see where he could go. But like you said, I mean, if, if Morton comes here on campus, he, even between even just like the fans, they're going to want to see him play because, you, like, you have to play him. First of all, we've seen from Bowman in recent memory between injuries and bad playing, I think he would have to be the starter. So I got Morton's stats up. On Friday night, he got to – he plays for Eastland, right? So he yeah. got a little bit further west. Um, and his team won 91 to Lord. 71, by the way. Okay. So just, that'll prepare you for the stats. Who did they, they like? I mean, what school did they play? I didn't even see I this. forgot who they played. Um, let me yeah. see if I can pull that up real quick. It was absolutely insane. Lord. Um, yeah, when I, when I saw the stuff, I was like, okay, like this is unbelievable. But, again, he plays at Eastland. Yeah. He, um, He's nominated for the I, – I forgot what the award is called, but it's basically, you know, best player in Texas this week or whatnot. Gatorade? Uh, the which one? Gatorade player of the year in Texas? No, not Gatorade player of the year, but um, just like Mr. Texas football of the week. Oh, and I know, yeah, oh yeah, I know you're talking about. I know you're talking about. Or something like that. So this was his stat line, okay? Um, yeah, and he played uh, Panhandle, by the way, Panhandle High School. Yeah. Um, he went 23 for 33 for 425 passing yards, five touchdowns, 
On the ground, he had nine carries for 120 yards, three touchdowns for eight total scores on the night where the Mavericks won 91 to 71. By the way, he's not done, Tobias. Let me pull this other stat up, which is absolutely insane about this kid. Okay, so he's the quarterback for their team, right? He's also the kicker. He made Hmm. 10 PATs. He made all of his PATs on the night. And also, he's the punter. He averaged a net punting distance of 42.3 yards. Now, this kid's insane. Like, what is happening? You might might as well – the defense could use him. They might as well put him at corner. (laughs) They might as well. I mean, because they need help. Clearly, they're giving up 71 points. But, now this kid, yeah, I mean – when you have a kill, and then he's just he's just electrifying. You know, we've seen the tape. We see what he brings to the table. I mean, when he comes, there's going to be so much hype and buzz around him. I think fans and even maybe some of the players, they probably wouldn't say it publicly, but you want that kid on the field. 100%. You know, like, yeah, you, and I, I've watched him, um, obviously, his tape. I haven't got to see him live. But when I watch the tape, he reminds me of Bouchelle over at SMU with a sprinkle. Yeah. And I don't want to get – please do not twist my words here, people. A sprinkle of Johnny Manziel. Yeah, no, he does. No, he no, no he does. He's got now, a little I, I, sprinkle of it. No, he does. I was that's what I was thinking in my head. I said he he kind of looks like Johnny. Hopefully, he doesn't act like it, but he looks like Johnny Manziel just a little bit. That's what he reminds me of. He's got a sprinkle of it in him, man. He's just a playmaker, like all over the field. Um, but yeah, like that quarterback stuff. I mean, so so real quick, who do you think is going to be the starter this weekend? I think Iowa I think State. I, I think they'll throw Bowman out there, but it won't surprise me to see a switch. I think it's going to be Columbia. Um, okay. personally. I think they're going to say give Ro- Bowman an extra week of rest and then it's going to be a co- quarterback competition depending on how Columbia plays. Um, that's what I probably guess what would happen. So I think Columbia will probably start. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's maybe a package or two with Maverick MacGyver involved just to get him on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But let's talk about this uh, depth chart a little bit more, Tobias. There's other things on here that kind of are interesting to me um, and I want to get your thoughts on them. So the first one that really caught my eye was the H uh, wide receiver. You have Dalton rigged in there. No problem with that. Or Keyshawn Carter. Mm-hmm. They, they, mm-hmm. When they're both healthy, they both get equal amount of run, and I'm completely okay with that. The yeah. thing that was weird to me, if you go over to the far right, McLean Mannix, right, yeah. and Miles Price. We have not right. seen McLean Mannix all year except for, mm-hmm. you know, a few snaps. But Miles Price has made a huge impact. Um, it's kind of weird to me to even see McLean Mannix on there. I do not get the point of the or. Miles Price has at least earned a spot. Um, For sure. Maybe not on the Rigdon and Carter, um, you know, threshold, but he's definitely deserved to be the number three wide receiver in that spot by himself. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Miles Price definitely should be there. Um, I'm, like I said, maybe I don't, cause I don't know why. Yeah, we haven't seen him all year. We I mean, probably got a touchdown last week. I don't know why he would not be there, like you said, in that spot, literally by himself. Yeah. And, and then the other guy, I have to give a shout-out to my former roommate. You remember Sam, good old Sam, uh, married yeah. to Savannah now, yeah. his hometown. Um, John Holcomb, a tight end from good old Wellington, Texas. He got some run. That's a big old yeah. boy. I really like him. I, um, at number 87, um, Wells was talking about him in the press conference, um, saying that, you know, we thought he would be more of, you know, a Travis Kuntz kind of guy where he'd be, you know, lined up off the line of scrimmage yeah. as like a slot receiver. But they didn't – they underestimated his physicality, and he's going to line up more inside and be that extra, you know, lineman type mm. sometimes and then, you know, drag off. Um, so that's great to see that, you know, they're slowly getting those tight ends in. It's going to be really interesting next year to see how Holcomb and um, even Kuntz can come back, right? 
you got to remember right. that you have Sharp coming in as well as Castle. So you're tied in next year. You're going to be four deep at tight end potentially, yeah. Um, yeah, sure. which is obviously a nice problem to have. Um, and the next thing that kind of caught my eye, if you move on down, um, was the end position, Tobias. Um, yeah. At defense, you got Eli Howard and Bansor right. and Wilson, the transfer from A&M. Yeah. There's no or there on any of the linemen nope. at all, right? And I get nope. you're just trying to go in there and um, just play who you can. But yeah. I, I, and I'll say this, and I, I think Eli Howard is the best lineman that they have, but, man, the jump that Tony Bradford has made is absolutely phenomenal. That guy was a game wrecker in Manhattan this weekend. And he's only a sophomore, so he has plenty of time, you know. But like you say, he played very well this past weekend. I want to see him get some more, uh, get some more time on the field. I do too. I, I really like him. And then, you know, obviously, I think Rico will admit he made a stupid decision there. Um, yeah. But I mean, it happens uh, sometimes in the heat of the game. That's just what happens to players. Um, totally understandable. Um, but he'll be back. Merriweather, Schooler. And then the other one that kind of caught my eye, and I'm curious to see about this, is the spur. You look at it, yeah. you got Ellinger, Eldridge, my bad, Ellinger. I had, yeah. I had freaking you-know-who on my brain. Yeah. Eldridge, and then you have Morgenstern, and then you have yeah. Fields. It's really interesting to me that that's an or situation because the guys that we've been seeing play more often than not have been Eldridge and then Morgenstern. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting to see DeMarcus Fields there when, in more actuality, I figured that he would probably be playing more safety in the cornerback position, but they have him there instead. Maybe they just want him there to be like, – maybe he can cover, I guess, better in space and come and make tackles, I guess. Or maybe he could be like that. Like you said, this is a spy or a rover you could just have down low. That's the only thing I could, you know, even see. Maybe because, I mean, for this particular week, you know, what Purdy likes to do, he likes to throw like – I mean, especially when they have uh, – uh, Brees, the running back down, he liked to run across the field and stuff like that. Maybe they want to have a guy that's, you know, played corner or some safety before down there so he can be in coverage. And then the other one that caught my eye was um, – well, there's two, actually. McPherson at one yeah, of the CB looking, positions, and then yeah, Adrian Fry or Nate Floyd. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at that, too. I, was, I, didn't, I didn't get that either. Especially um, Floyd being there. That's concerning. Adrian Fry, I thought he'd have an interception or something um, this weekend. Um, but he got he got beat on that long touchdown throw. Um, yeah. Thank goodness that the guy dropped it for K-State in the end zone. But um, he just – it really hasn't been able to match or even kind of come close to what he did um, as a freshman. Maybe this is the week where he gets interception because I know Purdy, he can be um... – gunslinger-ish, and he kind of really doesn't care. He just, he'll throw it pretty much where he wants. Maybe this will be the week for Fry. Gets on, but I just don't know if he has, like, a ton of confidence right now. You know, yeah. just mentally, I think, like, mentally, you know, I hope he's not, you know, broken, but I don't. I just don't think he's a confident player right now. You need him to be that way. He's one of our, you know, best defensive players. You need him to have the type of confidence. Agreed. And then the last thing that caught my eye was Seth Collins is already number two at the depth chart on safety position. He moved from wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I guess he just, you know, he's a senior. I guess he really just wants to, you know, get on the field. He's a football player. So I guess he said, coach, you know, I love to play wide receiver, but you guys need me at safety. I'll, I'll be back there. We have a six, three, 200 pound safety back there, which is. Got he was kind playing of fun. too, man. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he, he was, was playing. He was playing significant yeah. snaps. Oh yeah. No, he played, he played a, he played a lot. Because I was, I was watching, I was like, I mean, I know he did this the game before. I was like, 
is that Collins that said, I said, maybe, I said, no, maybe that's just somebody. I said, I said, oh, he's, then they talked about over the, over the announcement. I said, oh, he really is playing. So then they explained. I was like, okay. It was, it's def- it definitely caught me off guard when I heard about the switch, yeah. but I mean, it makes yeah. sense. Um, he was an athlete coming out of high school anyway. So right. um, when he went up to Oregon state, but yeah. it's going to be interesting. So one more time, you think that Bowman will start this week. It's obviously Monday. I'm not going to hold you to it. Yeah, I, I think I think he'll start this week. But like I said, I mean, I, I, I want to probably see a switch mid-game, or like you even said before. Yeah, I, I think Columbia starts. And I think um, what they say is Bowman get healthy. And then I think if, if Columbia plays well, um, if Columbia plays great, I'll say this. Like, if he plays great, there's no QB controversy. Columbia's the guy. Right? Oh, for sure. But if yeah, he plays sure. just like, you know, good or average – I think there's a quarterback controversy in that bye week in the week leading up to the next game against Baylor. Um, yeah, I think there's a full-blown quarterback competition on who's going to start that game, and it might become a weekly thing. Who gives us the best chance against that particular defense, you know? Like, oh, they're good against the run. Okay, we'll throw Bowman in there because he's the better passer. Oh, they're bad against the run. Okay, we'll put, you know, Columbia in there, and we'll just run RPOs all day. Did you see the quarterback is Bowman – Maverick and then Colum- or Columbia. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 when it's or like that, I don't know. At first, I thought it was like an ABC order type thing. Um, yeah, the bro. other one that caught me off guard, um, and we didn't mention it, was the running backs. Um, Sir Roderick obviously should be one. Yeah. But how the hell is it Xavier White or Townsend or Townsend. Brooks? We've only seen Townsend play like 15 snaps. Yeah, it doesn't even play that much. I, I think that they should snaps. put him at rec- I want him to get at receiver. That's just me personally. Uh, Townsend. They have a lot of receivers. No, I get it. I mean, that's where he's really played. He's lined up kind of in the slot yeah, a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it's, it's just so deep at the wide receiver position, it's hard to get anybody on the field. Yeah, it is. I mean, you look at it, like Polk played a little bit. Cleveland, by the way, that is a grown man that's a true freshman. Once he puts on a little bit of weight, number oh, yeah. 85, Trey Cleveland, he is going to be an issue. That is yeah, a grown man. No, no, that, that's a big boy. That's, that's yeah, he, a big he's boy. A, he, is, he looks a lot bigger than 190. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of things to depack, uh, unpack here. But at the same time, I like where the offensive line is. No changes there. So that's obviously good to see. Um, I wish Cardi didn't have that, you know, hold on the fourth and three um, that where they picked it up. You remember uh, Columbia ran yeah. for the first yeah. down. There was a holding yeah. call on it. Yeah. Um, I wish he wouldn't have done that because I think the game would have changed a little bit. But that offensive line, I thought, played pretty well. Um, the dirty play by Kansas State, you can't blame the was, offensive line on that. That was a that second was or two dirty. late. That was very dirty. Yeah, very so dirty. Um, I would love to, you know, see what a targeting call is from here on out. But, hey, um, the NCAA has been, you know, stuck in a gray area with that. So not much we can do there. But, Tobias, you got anything else, man? The one thing I want to bring up was that play in the fourth quarter. That So, I think – I can't remember if it was the running back. I might have been Deuce, but they gave it to him. He came across the field. He runs on the sideline, but he ended up getting like 40 extra yards. You know what play I'm talking about at the end? Oh, you're talking about the tight end. The tight end. No, 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 no. Are you talking about the 66-yard setup for a score to give them the lead, or are you talking about the Deuce one where he um, ran down the sideline and got to like the five or the six or something? Yeah, yeah, that that one. That one. Okay. Did, maybe because I mean, you know, the camera there wasn't it wasn't on that side. Did they think that he was going to run out of bounds or something? Or did he just make a great play and make, break a tackle? Oh, they they broke contain. 
That was all okay, Eldridge. Because, it was okay. Eldridge. He, he didn't set the edge. Yeah, because that, that, I mean, that pretty much sealed it. But I was just like – because I, I thought they thought that he was going to run out of bounds or something, which wouldn't have made sense, not at that time. But, I, but maybe he just – like you said, he just broke a tackle. They broke contain. Okay. Yeah, I was it was, it was all contain. I mean, they, they, okay. just, they didn't set contain on the edge. And Deuce Vaughn's going to be a problem. That's yeah, an yeah, issue yeah, already. Yeah, yeah, he's very good. Uh, yeah, he, 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 is, he is an issue for sure. Darren Sproles reincarnated up there yeah. um, in yeah. Manhattan. But – He's Tobias Bass. You can follow him at Tobias underscore Bass on Twitter. You can follow me at RCMB323 on Twitter. Be sure to go follow Guns Up Nation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Got a lot of great content on the website, too, so go to GunsUpNation.com and get everything you need to know about Texas Tech Athletics. One more time, he's Tobias Bass. I'm RC Maxfield. A huge shout-out to Two Docs for sponsoring the podcast today. Be nice to others, people, and wear a mask. We'll catch you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Guns Up Nation podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the podcast hosts and do not reflect the opinions of Texas Tech University or its affiliates. Visit our website at GunsUpNation.com for more Texas Tech news. Thanks again and Guns Up.